Francis, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Shalom. How's everyone this evening? Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. We're just about to open up. Okay. Hallelujah. 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 For your wonderful mercies, dear Father. Thank you for bringing us together again this week, dear Father. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come before you and spend time with you, dear Father, learning your word. Abaya, I pray and I ask you to have mercy upon each and every one of us, each and every one of our households, dear Father. Father, I pray that you place upon Sister Malka your wisdom, your knowledge, help us to understand, open up our minds, dear Father thanking you for everything this week, dear Father, and just praising you and giving your, you honor and your son, Yahushua, honor, dear Father, for bringing us together for another week to build your blocks, Abba Yah. Hallelujah. Toda Abba Yah, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks, sis. So we're going to jump right into it. Today, we're going to be discussing the, the dietary laws and... Um, we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 20 and verses 22 to 26. And we're going to start off by taking a look at the purpose. And I, I put it in the chat. So, um, Leviticus 20, verses 22 to 26. If someone has that, if they can read, that'll, that'll help me out. Okay, I have it. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land whether I bring you to dwell therein, spew you not out. And then verse 26, or read down to 26. They continue to 26. Okay. Verse 23. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it. A land that floweth with milk and honey. I am Yahweh, your mighty one which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean, and ye shall not make your souls abominable by beasts or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And ye shall be set apart unto me, for I, Yah, am holy, and have severed you from the other people that you should be mine. Yeah. So that is the foundation of why Yah gave Yisrael a system of what to eat. And what is most important about this verse is the call for holiness, for being separated, to be set apart. And so when, as we continue to go through these scriptures and look at the different regulations um, or the different um, statutes and laws of how we eat, 
we want to keep back at the back of our mind of why we're doing this. So I'm going to read in your hearing verse um, chapter. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. Verse chapter six and verse 19. And I'll, I'll read it in your hearing. And the scripture says, what do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of Yah and you are not your own. So again, laying the foundations of why we observe the dietary laws. Now, for those of us who've already been walking this way and have given up in certain things, just put in the chat box, what was the hardest thing for you to give up um, when it came to this walk? I, I think for me, maybe the hardest thing possibly was bacon because we really weren't, Dylan says the same thing. I mean, Donnie says the same thing. Bacon was for her because um, the way our family was raised, we were Seventh-day Adventists loosely so we already knew about the dietary law, so we never really got into eating crabs and lobster and all that different kind of thing. But one thing that we did do, um, I said, I guess would be it would be bacon or no, not even bacon, probably ham, because we probably make get a, go to the store and get a ham sandwich or something. Um, I know Baltimoreans, y'all don't want to type it in, but y'all know y'all was struggling with that crab. I know it already. I see it in your eyes, struggling with that crab go. Uh, Samaria said pepperoni. Sister Ahaba said curry shrimp. Oh my goodness. Poor Sister Donnie, lard and all. <laughs> Southern cooking. <laughs> Sister Chrissy, sausage. <laughs> sausage on your pizza. On my pizza. Yes, on the pizza. Pepperoni pizza. Now that was definitely. Um, but now we found all different kind of ways that we can eat these, eat things and keep it clean and still enjoy the flavor, the taste, the texture that we we were after when we were younger, um, when we were in the faith. So another thing I want to preface this is by saying that these animals that we cannot eat, it doesn't mean we can't like these animals. And I say that because they are literally, I've heard people say that if they ever had a farm, they wouldn't put a pig on it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the father put a pig on the planet and the pig has a purpose, so there's no reason for you to say, I don't want a pig on my farm. If I had a farm, I'm going to have a pig on the farm because I need someone to eat my garbage. You know, if I have a lake on my farm, I'm going to throw in crabs and lobsters because they have a job to do. So I want to just also say that no need to hate the unclean animals. They are still Yah's creations. We just have to deal with them the way he tells us to deal with them. Um, so... Usually when we, when we study the dietary laws, we always tend to start in Leviticus or Deuteronomy. But in the midst of preparing today, Yah took me back to Genesis. Um, because we often forget that there are regulations on the food that we can eat that is not meat sourced. So we're gonna to go to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, and we're going to read verses nine through 13. And if someone can get that for me, I'd appreciate it. I got it, sis. Thank you. Genesis chapter one, verses nine through 13. 
And Elohim said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it came to be so. And Elohim called the dry land earth and the collection of waters he called seas. And Elohim saw that it was good. And Elohim said, let the earth bring forth grass that plants, um, the plant that yields seeds and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it came to be so. And the earth brought forth grass, the plant that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and Elohim saw that it was good. And there came to be evening, and there came to be morning the third day. All right, thank you, sis. So a couple of things I want to point out, or what the Father highlighted. We go back to verse 10. He called the dry land earth. That's clear. In the waters, the seas, he called the waters. In the beginning of verse 11, it says, and Yah said, let the earth, what is the earth? Based on what we just read in scripture, what is the earth? The dry land. Dry land. You want to keep that in mind. Then he says that they have, that let the dry land or the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. Question, how would Adam and Kawa know what seed, what from the dry land they can eat? How would they know that? Just based on scripture. It would be seed um, say it again, sis. It would be seed bearing. Thank you. So one thing we got to remember is um, the simplicity of life, for lack of a better term. Adam and Eve, if they saw something in the dark, um, could you make it on the... If Adam and Eve saw something growing in the garden, and they weren't aware of it since, let's say it's the first time they saw this tree or this fruit or this bush, whatever the case may be, and they want to know whether they can eat it, they're going to go and they're going to look at it and they're going to observe it and they're going to look for what the commandment was for what is allowed to eat from off the dry earth. So that tells us that it's observable. We have to be able to see it. Now, there are sometimes, and I mean sometimes, you know, it's a big thing now where you can't find grapes with seeds in it. Mm. So does that mean we can eat grapes without seeds? Well, again, let's go back to the garden. If Adam found this bushel of grapes and he didn't know what it was, he began to dig inside of it and he's looking for a seed, he would not have eaten it. Is that true? Okay. So we want to keep in mind observation. All right, so let's drop down to verse 29 and 30. And I'll read this in your hearing. There's only two verses. I'm in Genesis chapter one, and I'm going down to verses 29 and 30. 
And Yah said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So now here we have another stipulation. If we're eating something from the dry land, at some point in its growth process, it should be green. Why green? Why does a plant have to be green? Go ahead, Dee. Because it gets its energy from the sun through chlorophyll. Okay, thank you. So plants eat and, and, and able to sustain because they go through a process called photosynthesis. And that's why every green, every, I don't care if the eggplant comes out purple, the leaves were green. If the orange comes out orange, the leaves were green. I started getting into house plants. And one of the things I've learned, if, if you're trying to propagate a plant, they tell you to take off most of the leaves, but you have to at least leave, leave one leaf on that stem for the whole process of photosynthesis. So far, so good. Okay, I'm gonna share my screen. I'm a visual person, so I, I like to make pictures of things that I, as I go along. So based on the scriptures we've read, and if I have at any point, if I am stretching or bending what the scripture says, please pull it out, say it, interject. Based on scripture, what we can eat is vegetation on the earth. In other words, dry land that comes from Genesis 1.11. We also can eat vegetation that yields seed. That's also from Genesis 1.11. And seed has to be somewhere a part of that vegetation. It either came for a seed, and if it bears fruit, it will have seed. And again, even with the house plant, there's times where the plant is a regular plant, and then I will see this long stem come up, and a new little bud will be on the tip of it. I'm like, okay, what is that? And when I Google it and do research, I realize that the plant is at the stage of bearing seed. And once it, it, it bears the seed, it dies off. According to Genesis 1.11, we can eat fruit that has seed. Fruit that has seed. So look for grapes with seeds in it. That's the main thing that I know that's hard to find sometimes. We tend to find ours at BJ's most 90% of the time they haven't. And at some part of the process of the vegetation that you're eating, it has to, it had to have been green. So far, so good. Malk, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Um, so what do you, what do you think about seaweed or because it says vegetation on dry land, if seaweed or 
the vegetation that's under the water. That's a different type of vegetation. What kind of so vegetation can we eat though? Say that again, I'm sorry. Vegetation, what, according to what we just <laughs> what the scriptures say we can eat as far as vegetation, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> The problem with when we talk about the vegetation under the sea, it doesn't bear, it doesn't have seed. It doesn't get reproduced by photosynthesis and it's not on dry land. Thoughts? Wow. Can you repeat that, please? Somebody needs to mute their phone. In the disturbance. Maury, I just want to open. Okay. So in Genesis 1.11, it says that the, the things that Yah planted on the dry land is what we can eat from. He specifically said the dry land. He didn't say the land or the earth. He didn't say the creation. He separated the dry and the seas. And then he dealt with what grows on the land. And so whatever's on the dry land, if it bears seed, if it has fruits with seed, and if it's green by and it reproduces or it is it, it supports itself through photosynthesis, according to scripture, that's what we eat. Amen. And see, and this is why I think, not I think, I am sure why Yah took us even back to here, because I often thought that if it's green, it's it's edible. You know, I'm West Indian. One of the things that um, we eat often or use often is something like sea moss. I love sushi. I love seaweed salad. These are things that I enjoyed eating. And it wasn't until, and I'm gonna be totally transparent. I was eating it one day. One of the, the one of the kids got us some poke bowls. And I was eating it one day, and I'm like, "Yo, this tastes so good!" And I'm like, just really enjoying it. But then, for whatever reason, the father had me question. But I didn't say, you know, whatever. Kept it going. And then someone posted something on Facebook. Someone asked about eating seaweed. And the sister responded with, um, you can't eat it because it doesn't, um, it doesn't produce seed. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. So I responded to her and I'm like, you know, that's not what scripture teaches, blah, 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 blah. And um, I went to the scripture and what Yah had jumped out at me was dry land. It wasn't even the fact that seaweed doesn't even produce seed. It was that we eat vegetation that grows on the dry land, not what grows in the ocean. Because just like unclean animals have its purpose, so does vegetation that doesn't grow, that, that we don't eat. Because the seaweed, the sea moss, all these things, they filter the ocean as well. And what someone said to me was, well, it's, it's good for this and it's good for that. Well, guess what? Everything the Father created is, has some properties that will aid humans. We came from the same source. 
there's they, they will tell you pork is very high in vitamin B. Are you going to eat a pork sandwich because it's high in vitamin B? Or are you going to find something else that's high in vitamin B? So that's my response when it comes to, well, it can't be bad for you because it's so healthy. It's not what I want you to do. I This is just, like I said, if I've if I'm twisting this, if I'm bending it, then please, you could do it here. I'm not ashamed to be told I'm wrong. I'm not ashamed to say to, for you to take me to another scripture. Um, if you want to do it privately, everyone has my number. But this is where, and I talked to my husband about this as well. And, and I asked my children to be here because this is something new to my our understanding. And I kind of wanted to think, walk through it together so we can be at the same page. And of course, in all things, pray about it. You know, we all don't know everything. We only need- uh, can I pose a question? Yes, you may. Um, so um, what about, you know, in the same vein where, because it's natural, it goes from the earth that we eat it, um, what about things like um, like mushroom, which is from the dry land? But you know, in my head, I can't see where it falls. It's a fungus. I also I don't see where it falls, um, in, in, in as it's described um, as we read. You know, seed yielding fruit, or at, at one point was green. So, what's the position, or what's the what do you think the understanding would be in regards to mushroom? Let's let's go back to the garden. If Adam came across a mushroom and he knows the checklist in his head of what he's looking for, would he have found seeds? He would have found seeds. No. I'm going to mute, I'm going to mute the lion back. Okay. No. Mushrooms reproduce by spores. But spores are only seen by microscope. Adam would not have been able to determine that this mushroom was something he could have eaten. He would have said he couldn't eat it because he would have looked at it and not see it and kept it moving. So these are things for us to shoot a cut on <laughs> and pray about and seek the father on because this is new. This is a new understanding for me. And like I said, I did share this with my husband and when I share things with him, I asked him, do you find fault? I, I, and this is why I asked my children, my sister, I, I need people to give me back feedback if there is fault in my reasoning because the heart is deceitfully wicked, who can tell? And at the end of the day, I, I wanna do this class for us to learn the basics and the building blocks of what Yah expects of us. But that doesn't mean that I can be in error or I can be misunderstanding something and that's why before you go out and throw out your mushrooms and stop eating your sushi, whatever you decide to do or not do, pray about it and come back with scripture. If you come to a different understanding, don't keep it to yourself. Come back to the line and let's build and let's be on the same accord. Because eventually, ultimately, that's what we want for Yisrael. We don't want one camp doing one thing, another camp doing another thing. No, we are one body. And at some point, we got to start agreeing not agree to disagree. We got to be in agreement. We got to see Amen. the word the same way. We got to understand the word the same way. It can't just be, well, that's my understanding. 
Those days are coming to an end. It is coming to an end where we could just sit back and just say, we don't have to reason to truth because you could be okay over there and I could be over here. But that's not gonna continue for much longer. The father is doing a work in the body where there will be one king, one law, one system, and what you think and what you care and what you feel won't be worth poop. So, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Naka, real quick. Yes. Um, this is a uh, summary. I just wanted to say um, the question was asked because that was what the father put in my head after reading the scripture. So I too saw just from scripture that seaweed is not on dry land. And yeah. that's why I asked. So that was confirmation. Praise God. And I wasn't going to say anything about seaweed or mushrooms. I, I left that for Abba to bring it to the table. And he did. Praise God. Yeah. I want to our Abba, he is so he is so good to us. He is so good to us, and everything is proved in his scriptures. I, as we were just having a conversation in my mind, because literally I just purchased some sea moss. And so as we're having a conversation, I'm like, oh no, you know, someone told me that you know sea moss is good. I had the same thought, Malcolm. Praise y'all. Same thought. When you mentioned CMOS, I was actually trying to open up my Bible app and I was thinking and I was trying to get back to the screen. And I was like, wow, she mentioned CMOS. You know, that's something we grew up drinking, you know, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Praise Yah. Yah is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And when we put aside time to study his word and learn, he teaches us. I wanted to um, share the scripture because Yah, he he definitely um, confirms his truth by scripture. And in Genesis, the second chapter, verse eight, it says, and Yah, Elohim, planted a garden eastward in Eden. So that means upon this dry land, he planted in the land where he wanted us to eat from. So even though all other things were there and, and they may have been edible, he literally planted in the ground. And if you read further down in that, that um, verse, verse nine, it says in the tree of life was there in the midst. So even the tree of life gave nutrients to the things that he planted in the garden. So I just kind of wanted to bring that out because that stood out to me. Absolutely. That, you know, that, that aligns itself just with what, you know, you're saying about the dry land. Praise Yah. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. Thank you, Father. And I know it can be tough, but at the end of the day, it's all about our obedience. Yes. Yep. Praise Yah. All right, so that's the section. Who knew the half of the class would be just on uh, <laughs> Danielle? Uh, you, we can have sashimi. Sashimi has no seaweeds in it, so. 
Can I share something that I just saw, um, Mr. Malcolm? Uh, one second. Okay, one second. Let me find it. It says, um, parasites and scavengers. Mushrooms are parasitic. Safra, can't pronounce it. S-A-P-R-O-P-H-Y-T-E scavengers. Mushrooms obtain their nutrition from metabolizing energy from dead or living plants and trees. As parasite mushrooms feed off living plants and trees behaving like vampire organisms by deriving nutrients at their host plant or tree's expense. As scavengers, mushrooms feed off dead rotting plants and trees, which is their staple. Their staple diet in wooded areas. Mushrooms play an important role in the breakdown, cleaning, and renewal of the forest. And then it says seedless. Mushroom, unlike plants that produce visible seeds, reproduce through budding and scattering microscopic pores. It can be argued that the spores of the mushroom seeds, just as man's sperm is a seed, but microscopic spores are not plants like visible seeds. God allows man to eat every green herb that yields visible capital letters seed and every trees whose fruit yields visible capital letters seed in Genesis 1.29 when the command was given to Adam and Eve that didn't have microscopic to judge as to whether or not spores should be considered seeds. Adam and Eve could not have considered mushroom as a seed-bearing plant. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. One last one, Master. Go ahead. And I looked up I looked up what animals eat mushrooms that's in the wild. And it was rabbits and squirrels. They're unclean. Slugs and insects. We don't eat them either. Pigs and wild boars. Nope, we don't eat that either. So the diet or the animals that consume mushrooms naturally, we can't eat them anyway. So so it has a purpose, but just not for us. For us. Praise Yah. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing all that supporting information and scriptures, ladies. It's just confirmation. Yah just is good. I have another question. Um, so rice is a grain, so I'm not sure if that counts, but it's grown underwater. Rice is, it's not grown underwater, it's grown in dry land and it's just heavily watered, but it comes from a seed. Uh-huh. If you see, if you ever saw, if you ever looked at um, um, a rice garden, it will come up, you will see long stems, like tall grass, mm-hmm. but it's planted in, 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 in a marshy land but it's planted in the dry soil first and then it's wet. It has to stay wet for it to propagate. Just like how with the house plants or even vegetables, sometimes you plant them in water to propagate, but then at some point it has to go back into the dry land, either before mm-hmm. or after. Okay. So that's a good question. Just another. Yes. Yeah. I was just um, thought about um, when I read up, I said, I said, um, mushrooms was good for um, 
my nervous system. So I have been eating mushrooms a lot. <laughs> so this is one of the systems mentioned mushrooms. So I was like, okay. Yeah, well. You know, when I stop eating mu mushrooms. <laughs> we'll just find something else that can help. Okay. All right, so we're going to move on to clean and unclean meats. And with that, we're going to start at here. We're going to go to Leviticus and we're going to do verse chapter 11 and verses one through eight. And this section is going to be more straightforward. Um, verse one says, And Yah spake unto Moshe and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed, choose the cud among the beasts that you shall eat. So again, we have observable things. Adam could look down and see if that animal has a cloven foot. It could watch it when it's eating to see if it's bringing back the food. Chewing the cut means that at some point of the digestive process, the animal regurgitates it back into its mouth, re-chews it, and then swallow it again. That's observable. Um, pick up at verse four. Nevertheless, these shall you not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the hoof as the camel because he chews the cud, but divides not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the coney because he chews the cud, but divides not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the hare because he chews the cud, but divides not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven footed, yet he chews not the cud, he is unclean to you. So in other words, it's not one or the other, it's both. And you know, this is a very basic study, so we're not gonna go into all of the significance or the spiritual implications of these animals. But what I will leave you with is, what you wanna think about is not the animal, but the characteristics. And the script to support that is characteristics is if we remember the vision Peter had where the um, sheet was thrown down in, in the vision three times and there were all different kinds of unclean animals in it. And in the dream, in the vision, it told, he heard rise, kill and eat. And he didn't want to eat any of it because it was unclean animals. But when the understanding of what the vision meant came to him, it was that there were three people that were Gentiles that was coming to visit him that when they came, he was supposed to talk with them and not, not deal with them because they were Gentiles. So that's how we can equate unclean animals to people or characteristics of people. So if you ever wanna get into a, a, a good little personal study, look at some of these characteristics of the unclean animals that we cannot eat and to kind of see what it is that the father does not want in us. The easiest one that we've often spoke about in our circle is the pig. A pig will only come to you when it's hungry. You can be on your death's door. You could be yelling, screaming for the pig to come to you. That pig will never come to you until its belly is in need. 
And so what is Yah teaching us? Not to be that way with one another, not to be that way with him. Don't just come when you want something or you're in need. And um, another significant that I think is important to point out is the split hoof. You know, our first verse was to be holy. So Yah is the characteristic of the animals that we can eat is to remind us of being separate, to be in kadosh, set apart, not like everyone else. This is why he said in that the first scripture we went to, he severed us, he cut us off. And again, chewing the cud means to, you can look at it like um, going over, meditate and studying the word, continually going over it and over it and over it, learning and learning. And um, that's a characteristic the father wants us to have. Um, but again, we're not gonna go into all the nuances of, um, Kai said I'm breaking up. Is everyone hear me okay? Yes. Um, verse 8 of their flesh shall you not eat and their carcass shall you not touch they are unclean to you I don't know how often we're getting a chance to touch an unclean animal's carcass but just know that if you are you're unclean and as far as unclean goes next week's class is going to um, depend how far we get with this we might not finish this today um, but next week's class is going to be on separation, talking about um, the different reasons and ways that you have to separate yourself from the community, the family, whatever, whatever. So that's next week. So if you did touch an, an, an unclean animal, you were unclean. All right. If someone can read for me. Yes. What about like cats and dogs? Their carcass. Ah, uh, carcass. Mm. Okay, I missed that part. Mm -hmm. Good question, though. All right, can someone get for me Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 2 to 6? Sister Malcolm? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Go ahead. Two through six, okay. For thou art an holy people unto Yahweh, thy Elohim, and Yahweh hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. These are the beasts which ye shall eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat, the hart, and the robot, and the fallow deer, and the wild goat, and the pygra, and the wild ox, and the chamois, and every beast that parted the hoof and cleaved the cleft into two claws and chewed the cud among the beasts, that ye shall eat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Joy. So that's our second witness. So that takes care for the beast, the beast that we can eat. Any questions about that before we move on? I wanted to share, um, you know, in the Hebraic community, we we do have like a lot of idioms and the idiom that says, you know, you are what you eat. I wanted to bring that out because when you were speaking about um, the characteristics of the unclean animals, 
when we eat certain things, we do become one with those, with those things. And so I can see why y'all made it known to us, you know, to stay away from these things because we can take on their char characteristics when we partake of them. Amen, hallelujah. Just think about how you eat a lobster, good gravy. You gotta get a hammer and a bib and you gotta be violent. Oh my goodness. And then you gotta get a bucket to spit in. Lord have mercy. I saw that one time when my in-laws came down and they wanted to eat, they wanted to go to Phillips and my husband and I, we went somewhere else and they went to Phillips and then we came in looking for them and I was appalled when I look I'm like, how are you gonna people, how's everyone here just eating and people are spitting and cracking? Oh my goodness. That was an experience. But thank you for sharing that, sis. Yes, Sister Mahaba. If you've ever seen people in the world with their crab fest and their crab and corn and boiled fest, I, I sit there and I'm like, wow. <laughs> Have at it, yo. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. You know? And that's going to lead us to our next section of the things in the water that we can eat. And we're going to, we're going to, head back over to Leviticus and we're going to pick up where we left off. So we're in Leviticus um, 11 and this section is 9 through 12. I see your question, Danielle. I'll get to it. Someone has the Leviticus 11, 9 through 12? I have it. Mm -hmm. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas, and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. They shall even, they shall be even an abomination unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, but ye shall have their carcasses in abomination. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. Thank you, sis. So Real simple, if it lives in the ocean and you wanna eat it, it has to have fins and scales. And something just jumped out at me as Sister Samurai was reading verse 10 to kind of touch back when we were talking about vegetation, cause it says of any, of any living thing that's in the earth, that's in the waters, that includes seaweed. Cause they're living, they're not dead. They're living vegetation in the, in the water. So anything that comes out of the ocean that we wanna eat, it has to check two boxes, fins and scales. And I wouldn't want to eat a seaweed that had fins and scale anyway, because that looks that would probably look pretty gross. So fins and scales, and that takes care of. Um, so let me touch Danielle's question real quick. Danielle's question is. Um, taking on the characteristics of an animal that we eat. She was an example of that. And she also says, asks, would it apply to, with 
clean animals as well. And so we're not talking about like if you eat pig, you're going to become like a pig. It kind of works in reverse. People who, because you think about it, those who don't eat clean are those who don't keep Torah. So their characteristics already is going to be in opposition to righteousness. So yes, we know believers can, that we're sinners as well, but a believer should not be striving for sin. They should be striving for righteousness. So when you look at a character of a believer, you should not be seeing the characteristics you would see in someone who's unrighteous. So kind of think of it that way of, because you are not, a, you're not following Torah, you have, you're already bent a certain way and those, that is manifested. And the same thing when you are bent towards Torah, you behave a certain way. Um, not so literal, like, like I said, now, now that you, you eat pork, so now you are, you're a selfish person. No, you eat pork, you are a selfish person and is manifested by the things, how, how you live. And it's not just with the food that you eat, that's just only one part of the puzzle. Um, and I could always, you know, that makes sense, Danielle? Okay, if you're not, you know, you know where I live, I'm right downstairs. <laughs> All right, so our second witness for that, I'm going to read it in your hearing, Deuteronomy 14, 9 to 10. It says, these you shall eat of all that are in the waters. All that have fins and scale shall you eat, and whatsoever does not have fins and scale you may not eat. It is unclean to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any questions about the things in the sea that we can eat? All right, so now we're going to deal with things that fly. Wow. Sister Ahaba. Just kind of um, going off of what you were last talking about in Deuteronomy 14, 9 and 10, when you think about the grand scheme of everything, there are millions, I mean, I wouldn't say millions, but there are probably hundreds of thousands of creatures that live in the water and, and, and you know, different types of um, creatures that live in rivers, like the seas and the oceans and the rivers. And for the father to be that particular about what we eat to, to take that category down to two, and scales that that shows shows me how special we are to him amen amen thank you for sharing that i never thought about that there is that set apartness yes hallelujah and he keeps it simple split hooves true to cut fins scales he didn't give this whole litany of things you got have seeds bear fruit you know real simple praise y'all now, when he gave us the, the clean birds, this one was different because this was, he didn't give um, the characteristics or the traits of the clean birds, but rather he gave a list of all the groups of birds that we can't eat. So if any one of the birds, if you're not sure if it's in one of these groups or families, this, what he gave us the families and everything that goes under that family, we cannot eat. Um, 
I'm not gonna go through the, I'm gonna go ahead and go through it. Um, of all the clean birds you shall eat, but these are they of which you shall not eat. So he didn't tell us what the clean birds are. He's just excluding what you can't eat. And if it's not in this list, you can't eat it. The eagle and the ossifras and the osprey and the gleed and the kite and the vulture after his kind and the raven after his kind and the owl and the night hawk and the cuckoo and the hawk after his kind the little owl and the great owl and the swan and the pelican and the gear eagle and the cormorant and the stork and the heron after her kind and the lapwing and the bat and every creeping thing that flies is unclean unto you they shall not be eaten but of all clean fowls you may eat so if it's anything that was not mentioned you can eat it we can eat pigeon we can eat dove um i don't know a whole bunch of birds i'm not into all that but and i know we can eat chicken, chicken. you can eat chicken. chicken i don't i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to eat a bat anyway you know some things i'm good you know not interested in eating the vulture i they're not the most pretty birds um other wing creatures we're still in leviticus 11 now i'm in verses now i'm in verses 22 20 to 23 still talking about wing creatures it says all fowls that creep that goes on all four shall be an abomination unto you i don't even know what kind of bird that is i wouldn't want to think about a bird that goes on all fours um yet these may you eat of every flying creeping thing that goes on all four that which has legs above their feet to leap with all upon the earth. Even these of them you may eat, the locust after his kind, and the ball locust after his kind, and the beetle after her kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. But all other flying creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination unto you. So now we're talking about the insects. Yes, they are insects that we can't eat. Again, don't worry about me. I'm not eating an insect. <laughs> I praise you. I'm never that much in need. Hallelujah. Practice, rock on, my brother. <laughs> honey, but if you are ever in a position of being hungry, and you hear the crickets outside, and you really want some protein, have at it. Um, Sister Kaya, we just did Leviticus 11, 20 to 23. I'm sorry, Leviticus 11, yeah, 20 to 23. And that was talking about the insects. And Danielle said, I'll take salvation. I know. I mean, at the end of the day, man, eat grass. Like, exactly. I don't, I don't need protein like that. All right, so we take- yeah, Olive Garden sandwiches. For real, exactly. <laughs> so we take care of things we can eat on- Oh, we, why? No, I don't want to talk to you. I got a call through my computer. Okay, there we go. We've taken care of the things that we can eat that's on the dry land. We've taken care of the beasts we can eat. We've taken care of the things in the ocean we can eat. We've taken care of the things in the air, the fowls that we can eat. 
So now there's a couple of more things we're going to touch real quick. And these are the things that we are just forbidden from eating, that we are not allowed to eat. And the first thing that we are not, that we are prohibited from eating is fat. And our scripture for that is Leviticus chapter 7, verses 23 to 27. Leviticus 3, 23-27. Does someone have that? They can read it. You said Leviticus 7, chapter, Malcolm? Okay. Verse 23. Yes, to 27. The children of Israel, saying, You shall eat no manner of fat, of ox, or of sheep, or of goat, and the fat of the beast that died of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts, may be used in any other use. But ye shall in no wise eat of it. For whosoever eateth the fat of the beast, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto Yahweh, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. Thanks. Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be a fowl or beast in any of your dwellings. Whosoever, well, whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, sis. So we mm -hmm. verses touched two things. One was fat, and when we talk about fat, we're talking about the visible fat. Like if you, you know, you, you get a big piece of, I don't know, lamb chop or steak, and you see that big block of fat, just cut it off. You know, doesn't mean you gotta rip your steak apart to get every part of residual fat because um it's not really possible. And some of the fat in the food is going to be cooked away anyway. But the thought of feasting on fat is what the father did not want us to do because that was something that was placed on the altar of the clean animals. It was a part of the sacrifice. And so he does not want us to eat fat. Same thing with blood. And again, I'm not interested in eating blood, but people eat blood, blood sausage, blood pudding, where they literally used blood in the ingredients. Um, and that also means for us that when we eat our food that we just make sure it's cooked. You know, there shouldn't be any visible blood. Um, don't eat steak rare. You know, we, we eat food that is fully cooked. And Leviticus, I'm gonna give us the, the scripture gives us the reason why. So for this one, we're gonna to go to Leviticus 17. And verses 11 to 14, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. This is why I said unto the children of Israel that no soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that lives among you shall eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, 
which hunts and catches any beast or fowl that can be eaten, he shall pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of the flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. This is why I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat no blood of no manner of flesh for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eats it shall be cut off. So I know we're not hunters, but if we had the chance to hunt, you have to make sure that the, the animal is drained. You slaughter the animal upside down, cut its neck to catch to to both the arteries and you let all the blood just drain out. And then you literally bury the blood. It's scripture says to cover it with dust. Um, Leviticus 3.17, I'm gonna put this in here. Um, and some of these scriptures, I know I give a lot of scriptures, but it's just to make the, the picture complete, the thought complete and be able to respond when people say, well, you don't have to, or why do you do that? It's, it's kind of being preemptive to give us the tools. Um, because again, we might hear someone say, well, we don't have to do it anymore. We don't do sacrifices and we don't do this. And it's true, we don't do sacrifices. But Leviticus 3.17 says, it shall be a perpetual statute for all your generations throughout all your dwelling that you eat neither fat or blood. So far, so good. Okay, so the last two things that we're not allowed to eat, um, flesh torn by beasts. So let's say, for example, a, a deer that we can't eat deer was attacked by a lion. The lion runs off somehow and the dead deer is there. We can't eat that. Yah does not want us to eat meat that was murdered, basically, because there's no way for the blood to be drained. That lion didn't slit the lamb's throat. It bit into it. So we don't eat meat that's torn by um, animals. And we also don't eat anything that died of itself. You go into your barn and you see your milk cow then tilted over and dead. You cannot eat that cow. You cannot because it died. It died because it's dead. It's died because its time was up. It, that doesn't mean barbecue. It means bury a cow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll just give the scriptures so you guys can go back. We might be able to finish. So the one about not eating animals that was torn, that came from Exodus 22:31, And the scripture on not eating anything that died on its own from old age or cancer, who knows? That was Deuteronomy 14, 21. So that is, I, unless I missed a food group that we can eat, I think that's all the areas of food that human beings can consume. But I want to close us out with a scripture, two scriptures in the New Testament. Again, being ready for the naysayers and those who are saying we don't have to and we don't have to and we don't have to. We're going to go to the book of Acts. Acts 15. And this is called, this is at the, it's called the Council of Jerusalem. We're going to do verses 4 through 13. 
And then we're going to drop down in 19 to 21. Acts what I'm sorry. Acts chapter 15. And we're going to start at verse 4. And when they came to Jerusalem, when they were come to Jerusalem, this is Paul and Barnabas, they were received of the assembly and a lot of the apostles and elders, and they declared all the things that Yah had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moshe. So what's happening here is there's some Pharisaic members that believed in Messiah, believe it or not, but they still believed that even though they had this belief, you still had to be circumcised. I'm talking about these grown men being circumcised. So this was the issue. Verse six, and the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been must disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men, brothers, you know how a good while ago that Yah made a choice among us and the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And Yah, which knows the heart, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you tempting Yah to put this yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So why are you trying to make them do something that we already failed at? While they were, they've been called by grace and the father deals with them like they're no different than us being native born Israel. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the master Yahushua HaMashiach, we shall be saved just as they are. Then the multitude kept silent and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders Yah had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they held their peace, Yaakov answered saying, men and brethren hearken unto me. So picture a court. We had one side saying they should be circumcised to be saved. We have the other side saying they don't need to be circumcised to be saved. They just need to be saved through belief in Mashiach. Now, Yaakov, who is the head of the council, is going to give his decision. He's heard both sides. And his decision is at verse 19. He says, wherefore, this is my sentence. Do not trouble them from which from among the Gentiles are turned to Yah but that you write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moshe of old time has in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So part of the beginning things that he gives these new believers to stop doing immediately is Stop eating things strangled because if the thing was strangled to death, that means the blood coagulated in the body. The body was not drained of the blood and not to eat blood. So these two, these two points still support Israel, new believers, observing and obeying the dietary commandments of Yah. Now being mindful, this is Acts. I'm not sure the timeline, but this is at least between 40 and 55 years after Mashiach's death, resurrection, and ascension, that 
if we no longer needed to do these things, why is James or Yaakov telling them, this is, this, is how, this is how you start this walk? Because every Sabbath, what happens every Sabbath in the temple, in the, in the synagogue? Torah is being read week after week, year after year. In other words, they will learn. They will learn everything else that they need to do. And my closing scripture is, this scripture reviews various times through the past week, which is Colossians 2, 16 and 17, again, to edify us and encourage us as we walk out our obedience to what Yah shows us in his word is um, verses 16 and 17. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the moon or of the Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Mashiach. Our, the dietary laws of Yah are also a shadow of things to come. That separation between clean and unclean, that separation between holy and unholy. The scripture says that when that day comes of judgment, that he's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. The believers are going to go into the kingdom. The unbelievers are going to be cast into hell where there's gnashing of teeth. So this is what this, our dietary system points to, that we will be separated. We're different. Even down to what we eat is different because we are, we're, we are representing and holding a faith that is yet to come, that we will be part of that clean. We'll be the part of the redeemed. We will be the part that goes into the kingdom. So they can have the crab cakes and the bacon and whatever the case may be. I'd rather be in the kingdom where we can eat from the fruit of the tree that bears a different fruit every month. I want to know what these fruits are and I want to taste it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So excuse me. So are you saying that those who eat those things, will, even though they are children of um, God, that they will not be in the kingdom? Let's see what the scripture says. Can I respond, Sister Malcolm? Absolutely. They're not his children, Sister Ingrid. And that's not for us to judge where they're going to go, but scripture judged them. The scripture is the witness. Once they made up in their, in their hearts that they're going to go against what he has said, they themselves have made the decision that they're not his children. Amen. And, and that really is uh, someone who is, if we are saved, walking away from the unclean food is a part of what we do. That's, that's the, one of the first things that they tell the new believers to do in Acts. Stop doing this immediately. Stop dealing with idols. Stop dealing with unclean, uncleanness. Stop dealing with um, not doing the dietary laws properly to summit, to summarize that um, because, and can continue to learn what to put away. The scripture says that in, um, I'm just gonna go here, Isaiah 65, two to four, and the way I headlined this scripture was that Yahweh is provoked by those who eat unclean flesh. 
Isaiah 65 verse 2 says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walk in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoke me to anger continually to my face. They sacrifice in gardens and burn incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the dead, and they lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessel. Ezekiel 22:26 says, her priests have violated my laws and they have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed a difference between the unclean and clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath and I am profaned among them. This is what Israel is doing to Yah. We're not making a difference between the clean and the unclean. We're violating his set apart days and this provokes him. But this is being done by priests, teachers, leaders. So we wanna be mindful that the doctrines of what we are walking out does not conflict with what the word of Yah says. Like Sister Chrissy said, we, don't, I, we can't judge where a person's gonna go, but that's disobedience. Practicing sin is disobedience. There's a scripture that people like to use where it says about um, everything that was created was to be received with thanksgiving and there's a blessing because the creator created it. But what we don't, what we miss is where it says that the thing that was created to be eaten, not everything that was created was created to be eaten. Some things were not meant for human consumption. Any other questions, thoughts? Also, I wanted to add to um, to what um, just the ending part of what to what Sister Inger adds because when when repentance was taught, it was more than just the turning away of you know fornication and things of that nature, um, most commonly spoken about in in mainstream um, religion today. But it was literally changing of a lifestyle from one direction back to Yah. And so when we turn back to Yah, we're receiving all of him. Amen. So I, I, I think that's something that um, when, when repentance is taught, that the person understands that this is not just about what you did in a dark room somewhere, but this is your entire life. Is changing. Amen. Hallelujah. Anything else? All right, ladies. Sister Samaria, can I ask you to close us out? Are you able to? I can always multitask and hold. Hello? Yeah. I'm sorry, sis. Could, 
Okay. Uh, uh, Ahaba, could you step in for me? Technically challenged sometimes. Okay. Hallelujah. 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 Toda Abaya for another day. Thank you, dear Father, for bringing us together. Thank you for the lesson. Thank you for the edification, dear Father. Thank you for opening up our minds to receive your spirit, dear Father. Thank you for the understanding. Thank you for your wisdom, dear Father. And I just pray that as we continue in these classes that Sister Malka leads, that you will help open up every listener, everyone who, every sister who comes, open up their minds, help them to understand Yah's will for our lives. And just, I just pray that you, you bless us so that we may have greater understanding of your word and to walk, into, walk in your way. Yeah. Thank you, dear Father, for this day. Thank you for any sister who wasn't able to make it, dear Father. I pray that they get home safely. Thank you for each and every sister, young sister and older sister, dear Father, that was able to attend this class and this meeting. In no other name but your son, Yahushua HaMashiach, his almighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Have a blessed week. All right. Shalom. 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 Shalom.